You know, I think um, probably the greatest desire of any natural parent is for their child to know them and to know them for who they truly are and to know the love that a natural parent has for a child or parents. And God's desire is absolutely no different. And yet so often we think God's interested in our function and what we do for him well before he's interested in us fully coming to know who he is. And the reality is no relationship would last if it was just built on function, would it? If you stop and think about that, none of our physical relationships would last if it was just built all around what we do. Anyone enter into a marriage so your husband or wife could do for you? Or did you enter into that marriage so they could get to know who you were and you could share your life with them? And then you have children from that perspective as well so you could share your life with them and they could share their life with you. And then from that reality, then the doing starts. The Bible says that <clears throat> we are called to be ready. And we've been looking at that over the last three weeks, four weeks, well, five years really. <laughs> um, and I just want to start by just making a couple of statements. Um, and the first statement is this. We not only have a message to, deli to deliver, but we have a message to become. We not only have a message to de deliver, we have a message to become. And that second part of that statement, I personally believe, has got lost in modern day Christianity and church. We have a message to deliver. It's a very important message about Jesus not just dying on the cross for our sin, but what he truly came to do was to create the newness of life back and bring us back to a reality that always was for us, which would ultimately will end in eternity and not on this planet. But we ultimately have a message to become and to become the demonstration of. And I don't know about you, but it's easy to do it's not so much easier to allow yourself to become. And yet God promises us, he says, you know what? I've given you my spirit and I've given you my truth to become someone, to become a people of love, joy, peace, humility, righteousness. And you don't come into that realm from doing things. So you don't come into the realm of love, joy, peace, and right from actually doing stuff. You come into it through a process called surrender. So you become made ready as you surrender to him and allow him to go to work in you. So it's about becoming someone. And from that position of becoming someone, you then go and share this incredible message. And that is not so much a one-two, it's an integrated position. But as I said, the challenge is you can just go out and do stuff and not be in the other part of that position. 
And you can go this, well, I'm becoming someone, but I'm never actually getting out and doing anything. But the true position of becoming someone will empower the doing. It has to because it's his life in you. As his life gets birthed in you, the reality is the natural innate response, because his life is so overwhelmingly in you, is to go and do and to fulfill the function that the Father lays down. Does that make sense? And so this morning on the way we're here, um, I came in with the girls a bit earlier and we were singing, you know, like uh, that song from King Walker, I can't hold my praise back from you. I can't hold my love back from you. You know, I just can't hold it back. And if you'd, if you'd driven past us in the car, it would look funny because we get a little bit animated, the signals, and we start singing. And, and, you know, we're sort of doing this. I can't hold my love back from you. Come on, Lily. I can't hold. And we're getting it all that. But there's a reality to that that goes beyond just it's a nice song on the CD. There's a reality that you can experience because the Father wants you to know him to such a degree that those words become all authentic and you can't hold your love back from him because he's the greatest person, thing, however you want to call him, he's a person that you've ever met and will ever likely to meet and from that place you live your life. And I want to talk about this. this I want to talk about a love that will empower us to be ready. And it's really from love that you become ready. Jesus said these to a bunch of men in John 5, 39. He says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But it is these things, the scriptures, that speak about me. But you fail to come to me to have life. See, too many Christians search the scriptures because in the scriptures they think they have life. But they are void of a life that God has for them. A life from within, coming forth from without. But we keep searching the scriptures and then we get entangled and engrossed in the scriptures thinking we're in life. Thinking we're being made ready. But we're void of life. We're void of this inner reality of a love and a joy and a peace but we're in the scriptures because we think in the scriptures we're going to find this thing called eternal life, which is not eternity. It's a life of eternal value and substance that started the day that you committed your life to Christ and you're living from an eternal realm. So the value systems and the culture systems of the eternal are living in you, being formed and built in you, and you're living from this eternal life. Where? In heaven? No, on the earth. Because you know the Father and the Father knows you and the Father wants you to know and come into the fullness of this life being made ready. But see, these men called Pharisees, and the Pharisee is not a title, it's a spiritual thing ultimately, a Pharisee spirit, blocks and denies and says no and operates from unbelief because it wants to keep control of itself and control of its own reality. So it rejects the things of God instead of embracing the things of God. See, a Pharisee is not someone who walks around with a funny hat and cloaks. A Pharisee can be wearing nice shirts like this with funny shoes and jeans. Because it has nothing to do with the physical, but it's everything to do with the spiritual. So how many of us are searching the Scriptures because we think they have life and we apply and obey the Scriptures, 
But we are completely outside of the realm of the Spirit and the reality of the Spirit. Greg, are you saying don't apply your scriptures to your life? No. I'm hoping you can hear what I'm saying. Is that you can just do and function and do all the right things and tick all the boxes and keep every commandment under the sun and have no life in you. Because it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of his living word and truth as it enters into the heart of man that creates the life of God within. So it's fully possible to pray a prayer and be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and you are justified, but not actually come into the fullness of the life that he has for you. A life for experiencing, experiencing his love, his joy. His peace, the life that he lived from on this planet, we are to live in and from. In Christ was life, and this life was the light of men. In Christ was life, and this life is the light of men. Who is the light of the world? Where is Jesus Christ living right now, or the Spirit of God living right now? In us. So we are to experience the life of Christ in us, coming out of us, being made ready through the power of his truth. Amen? Amen. Okay. Second thought is this. It's about doing the right thing, not just doing things right. It's about doing the right thing, not just doing things right. You can spend your whole life doing the wrong things right. Spend your whole life and time and energy running around doing things, and you do them really well, they're just not the right things. You could turn up here week in, week out, you can give, you can tithe, you can do all those things, and they are good things and right things, they're just not the things he wants you in. Not doing it from the position he wants you in. We can have good intentions. We can spend our whole life doing good intentions. He's going, what are you doing? I'm doing good intentions for you. He says, well, you know what? At the moment, they're actually the wrong thing. No, they're not. I'm preaching the gospel. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. But did I lead it? And is it of my will? Are you just doing a good thing, but it's not the right thing? See, God has a way in which he flows, in which he does stuff. Thanks, Warren. And we, as his children, are to come into and live from this position. Would you agree with that? See, I believe everything and all things are possible in him. And I believe it's fully possible for every follower of his to live from the fullness of him and it's fully possible to experience the fullness of that life within you and so like i prayed that the thing the thoughts you have you wake up in love you go to bed in love you are more and more being consumed with him and his ways And this, over a period of a lifetime, is quickly and slowly setting you apart 
on the value system and the culture and the ways of the world where you are becoming so alive, so made ready that you have a confidence in him even if he's returned tomorrow. If Jesus turned up in five minutes, would we be ready? Or would you go into panic mode? Because I'm going to suggest you, if there's anyone on this planet that is to be ready, it's us. And I don't mean having your house in order, meaning your physical house. I mean having your house in order. Who's ready to go? If you actually had a choice, and he said, over here is the line that you can actually go now. Would you want to? Why would you want to go? Would you want to go because you want to be with him out of love, or would you go just want to get away from the crap you're going through? Because ultimately, I do believe that's going to play an eternal value of eternal purpose. So he's looking for those that want to go or love because they love him and they're laying low, not because they just want to get out of here, Jack. Luke 12. Come with me to Luke 12. Luke 12, 35. While we're turning there, I'm just going to say this. God wants to write a living epistle on our hearts so we can be a living hope for others. God wants to write a living letter, a living epistle, a letter on our hearts, on our minds, so we can be living hope for others. Becoming a people of substance. Not just the people that say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe all those things are good, but my life is not altered through that belief. Our lives are to be altered and changed and transformed because of what we believe. Through the power of the living word. See, the goal again, I'll just state it again, is the transformation of the church. So 12, uh, Luke twelve thirty five. be dressed, I'll read this quite quickly, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open, so open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you will not expect him. Be ready. Be ready. 
Now, here's the thing. We're called to be ready. Whether he's back in five minutes, 50 years, or 500 years, it's irrelevant. When he comes back is irrelevant to being ready. I want to really state this because so many people go, well, I'll get ready when I know he's coming. We are called to be ready now and being made ready. It's irrelevant when he's coming back. I said this before. Do I have the love of God in me enough where I care about my daughter's or Paul's grandchildren's generation after generation after generation because some followers are going to go through these times. So do I care enough to be made ready now, to be preaching a readiness message now for five or ten generations that I will never meet? So they are ready in the day he comes back. Is that love in me or do I not care? Because I'm living for me. And all I'm worried about is me and my survival. See, Jesus sets the bar. Jesus always sets the standard towards everything. And we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, must be raised to the standard. You will know my disciples by the way they love one another and so prove to be my disciples by the fruit that is being produced in them. We can't confuse just his blood and go, well, I'm in, Jack. No, because you prove to be a disciple by the fruit that is produced through you. In you and through you is what he's looking for. That's a bit harsh word, isn't it, Greg? Prove. We have to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what my Bible says. I'm a simple guy. I believe what it says. Jesus has high expectations for his people. Did you know that? He has high expectations on us. He even says this, for much is given, much is He's given much. He has paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. We will praise you with our lives and proclaim our love for him. That's much, isn't it? So he's given much. He expects much. He doesn't just say, oh, well, you're in, Greg. You're in the camp. Well done now. No, 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 no. There was a massive purpose for why I came and I got on that cross and was whipped and beaten and all those things and he rose again. It wasn't just to give you my free gift into my eternity with me. I'm looking for something now. Amen. So he says, are you ready? Are you ready? And this is what this is saying to me here, but not because I'm returning tomorrow, but because you're in love with me. And you know me. Just flip over the page and come to Luke eleven thirty three. Luke eleven thirty three. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar nor under a basket, but on the lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. That's interesting. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illumined 
as when the lamp illumines you with its rays. Now, once again, we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be people of salt and light. And we become more and more of these people that we are as we allow him to go to work in us and prepare us and make us ready. I can't make myself brighter. I can't make myself more saltier. I can't get out the salt and, you know, I'm a good steak. <laughs> garlic and all that. That's what I do in the natural. I throw the garlic salt on my steak and it's beautiful and flip it over and wow. Adds to the flavor of the steak. When people taste you, when they're in your presence, when they're around you, when they're observing your, just your behavior, wherever that might be, in the workplace, in the car, at the grocery store, with your children, with your wife or your husband. What flavor are they tasting? Why? Because you've been made ready and there is a love and a joy and a gentleness and a kindness and a self-control coming from you now when your pressure of the external is greater than maybe what you're used to. <laughs> Warren can relate. <laughs> See, this is what we can't do. We, we, we've got to come into the fullness. So I can't just say and keep saying, I'm a son of God, and just say that over and over and over and never come into the fullness of that. That's Galatians 4, 1 to 7, where it says, what good is it to be a son and live as a slave? Okay, So yes, if we have accepted Christ, we've received the spirit of sonship, haven't we? But think about this for a minute with me. The same spirit that was in Jesus, is that the same spirit that's in me? Okay, so who has, who, is his father different to my father? So if he is has the same spirit on him, and I have the same spirit on me, aren't our lives to look very similar? You're not sure? Yeah? Because he tells us that we're to love one another like he loves. So then we must be able to. God's no liar, and he doesn't dangle a carrot and go, guess what, there you go, and now you don't have it. Just kidding. So, if I'm going to give myself the name of son, then I hope I'm on a journey and a process through revelation of coming into what that means and living from the realm of what it means to be a son, not just giving me the title. We love titles. Do we have a testimony that backs the title? See, it's about testimonies, not titles. Isn't it? Do we have ongoing testimonies? But we love titles. Who do the people say you are? Chris, are you a prophet? Are you Elijah? No, I'm a voice in the wilderness who has a testimony. And I testify to the one that I know. And the testimony that I give comes from the work he's doing in me. 
and who I'm becoming. See, it's one thing to give a testimony of what God has done. It's another thing to give it, and that being external, it's another thing to give a testimony of what he's doing within you. Oh, guess what? I saw a healing last week. Phenomenal. And that's awesome, isn't it? And we aren't called to give testimony to the work of healing a kneecap or a broken leg or cancer, whatever that is. Amazing. But that's one part of a two-part picture. How about giving a testimony to a love that's entered into me that I'm now living from? How about giving testimony to a peace that, you know what, I'm finding this peace is guarding my heart and my mind and I'm facing this persecution or the stuff being said about me at work and there is a peace that guards my heart and mind and I'm in freedom to it and I'm now loving back. That's another type of testimony. And ultimately that testimony empowers the second one. The testimony of becoming ultimately starts, as that happens, and starts to work out, will become the testimony of the physical, the, the external as well. In fact, I actually think that's what God's been doing for five years. He's been trying to realign the ship and starting to do a work in us so we actually can give testimony to the work being done in us so the songs that we sing every week actually become a living reality and they don't just stay as songs up there on the page. Do you want that? The Father wants that for us. And individually, we're probably all at different places of the songs that we sing and the reality that we live. And that's okay, isn't it? It's okay. That's why his love is all encompassing and is around us but he wants the gap shrinking and he wants us see this father wants you to know him he wants me to know him he wants us to experience a love that is this let me read you this love that is his love is patient love is kind and it is not jealous love does not brag and is not arrogant it does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It endures all things. There is nothing human about what I just described. We have our version of it. Yes? We have our version of those words. We think, oh, I'm patient. Well, that'll be tested. I'm not jealous. That'll be tested. I believe all things. That'll be tested. I endure all things. Lord, I will go the cross with you. Oh, really, Peter? Yes, I will. And they all said the same. And five minutes later, they're found out. <sighs> what happened to enduring all things? Do you know what they didn't have in them at this time? What does the Holy Spirit bring? Love, power, life. 
Are we pre-Holy Spirit or post-Holy Spirit? Are we living in the days where it's all been poured out or are we still waiting for it to be poured out? So if we're in the days where it's all been poured out and it has been poured out, then how come the gap between maybe what we say and what we sing in our lives are quite wide? Good question. Or they could be aligned. And they could be knowing once again here, I'm saying the Father loves and he wants us to come into more. But see, we have to, we, we have to confront this stuff. Otherwise, we live a life here on earth void of the fullness of what we could have experienced. Do we want that? I don't. Do you want to get there at a judgment seat? Because there is a judgment seat coming. Remember, he has high expectations. So there is a judgment seat. I'm not making this up. It's in the word. And he's going to judge. He's a righteous, loving judge. But he's going to judge. And he's going to look. And I don't think it's going to be this. Oh, Simnor, you absolute fool. You idiot. You could have done this. And you could have done that. And you could have done this. And you disobeyed here. And bang. I don't think it's going to be that. What I think, I could be wrong, but I don't think, I think it's going to be this. Greg, I had all that for you, son. And it hurts me that you didn't get to experience all that I had for you. But I'm a righteous judge and I laid it out. And so, here, that's yours, but it could have been that. And I believe it will break his heart as well as mine. And so he's telling you now and telling me now and getting it through to us now. So none of us face that day. What we actually face is, well done. Here you come over here and then we're coming back. Which one do you want to hear? See, his heartbeat is for us to experience him. You search the scriptures. We, it's so easy, guys, to get caught up in a false reality of truth. I'm seeing it, and I'm seeing it in the, a bit in this community. I'm going to be really honest. I'm seeing people getting caught up in stuff, doing things. But what I'm not necessarily is the corresponding life of those things. I'm not seeing the outworking of the reality of what we think we're in coming forth. And we have to wave a flag and go, whoa, ho, 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 hold on a minute. Because if there isn't the corresponding life, something is wrong. We're not in him. The Bible says these men love fables and they love to talk around the truth and they think they know stuff and they talk all around it and they genuinely think they're in it but they're not. It says there is a form of godliness, but people have denied its power, and they're forever learning, but never coming into the true knowledge. See, the true knowledge will set you free. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yeah, we can think, oh yeah, the truth will set you free. Oh, yabba-dabba-doo, the truth will set you free. No, 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 no. See, this is a living God. These are living scriptures. And the truth 
will set us free. So how free do you want to be? Well, it comes through the experience of the revelation of his love. In. 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 Well, God, how do I do that? Because I want to be made ready. I don't want to be caught up in fables. I don't want to be caught up in arguments. I don't want to be caught up in stuff where we just go round and round and round the mountain where we all get turned on, but nothing happens. But we have this intellectualism thing going on. I was like, wow, it's amazing, but there's no transformation and there's no change and there's no love and there's no joy and there's no peace and there's absolutely no life, but I'm in it. Oh, really? Really? I'm just going to read 1 Timothy 1. When I read this the other day, it's funny how you mark stuff and then you sort of forget about it. And then you're just casually going over stuff and it jumps out at you. It's like, thank you, Lord, that's my message. <laughs> wasn't intentionally looking for it. This is in relation to patient, okay? Love is patient, okay? 1 Timothy 1.15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. This is Paul. This man knew the love of the God. He knew the love of the Father deep within him. He gives living testimony to that in 1 Colossians, uh, sorry, Colossians 1, verse 15 and 16. When the Father chose to reveal the Son in me, everything changed. Paul is a beautiful example of what not to be, and then he's a beautiful example of what to be. Can you hear what I'm saying? Paul, without the revealed position of love within him, is this... What was he doing? He thought he was being the right thing, didn't he? See, he thought he was serving God. He thought he was doing it God's way. He was so back to front, it wasn't funny. But you know what? He genuinely, wholeheartedly, devotedly believed he was doing the right thing. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends only in death. So you can think you're in the right and be completely going the wrong way. Okay? Over this side, when the Father chose to reveal the living truth. Oh, I thought that was living truth. No, that was nothing. That was not living truth. That may have been true, but it hadn't been activated through the power of the Holy Spirit. So ultimately, it did nothing but send you the wrong way. But when the Father chose to reveal the Son in Paul, Boom, everything changes and the man is a completely becoming and living for a different reality. This is our reality. Which camp are you in? Where do you sit? Are you in this life? Or you still maybe, you might not even realize, going the wrong way. It's fully possible to go the wrong way and be in opposition because you're living from the flesh. Okay? So here's a man that's, he's saying, I was the sinner among all the greatest sinners. A trustworthy statement. And he says this, Yet for this reason I found mercy. It found him. Okay? So that in me, the foremost, Jesus Christ, 
might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. I'm going to read that again. Yet for this reason, what reason? The fact that Paul was redeemed. Paul had been saved, reconciled, grabbed, arrested by the Father. Now is the time, son. Bang, you're mine. I'm going to put me in you. Okay. For this reason, I found mercy. I found God. I found life. I found the substance of life that I thought I knew, but now I'm in to a measure that I was not in before. Um, family, as you say that, in, in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. See, it's Christ in us coming out of us. It's not my ability to be patient. I have none. I am not a patient person. I want it and I want it now. When the streaming goes off and I'm trying to watch Liverpool play and it's a live game and it's an FA Cup game, it goes, I'm like, hey, what's going on? Patience gets exposed. I want it back on. What's happening? It's horrible. You're listening and you go, oh, is it a goal? It's a close. It's nowhere near your goal. But there's a patience. Lovers patient that can be in us which then comes out of us which then other people get to experience as an example it says for those who would believe in him the fruit that we are to have produced in and through us That fruit in John 15 is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? It's the fruit of the Spirit. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Right. So he says this, Prove to be my disciples... By producing fruit. Now, as we've talked about, we don't produce the fruit. Okay? None of us can produce that kind of fruit because it's of a spiritual dimension. But when he reveals himself in us, for the spirit lives within us, and when that is revealed in us more, guess what happens? The fruit that's sitting there, that's already there, is revealed through the power of the Spirit, now you're able to live from the realm. So now you actually can have His patience coming forth from you. You can have His joy that's of the Spirit and the Spirit's in you coming forth from you. You've heard me say this before. His joy is not determined by circumstance and situation. You don't lose Him. Okay? It's a realm of the Spirit. And we can't get that confused with the realm of the physical or the flesh. We do often. Because we confuse happiness and joy. And joy is a substance of the Spirit. Who is the Spirit? God. So the greater the God in you through the revealing of him in you and that life is birthed and formed and established, 
then you are being made ready. And then you'll find yourself being able to fulfill the things he asks you to accomplish. Does that happen overnight, Greg? No. Is that a process? Yes. Is it a process that will last forever? Yes. Till the day we physically check out. But the more we submit to his processes... And the more we allow, the greater we are becoming ready. And we will experience this life from within us. God has been so patient with me. Anyone else? I used to think it was just being patient with me for me to get reconciled back to him. What I realize now, God is being patient with me for me to be completely and utterly transformed. That takes on a whole different meaning. When I start realizing, hold on, you're patient, you're kind, you're not jealous, you're not brave. So I come into something. What happens if God removes that love? He's never going to. Ooh. I'm a little bit in trouble. So we can't abuse this love either. And then he says crazy things like this. Hey, Greg, love your brothers and your sisters as I love you. You'll know you're ready or becoming ready when you are able to love him and one another as he loves you. Whoa. That's another. Is that a high bar? You know what? You know what? This is what I love. You know what that does? You know, know, by setting that bar so high, what does that do? What does it do? Can't hear you. Yell. We call, we need him. It sort of takes, it's sort of, to me, when I was thinking about this, it, it, it levels everything. Anyone that thinks they're above someone else, lording it over them, you go, okay, well, you live into that standard? The fact that you're lording over me right now means you're not. Because you'd be under me, serving me, lifting me up. The fact that you tell me A, B, and C means you're not because you'd actually be doing the opposite. See, what it does, this is why he sets it so high, he sets the bar and he goes, you can't achieve that without me. But you know what man does? We go, yeah, we can. Tower of Babel is our example. Because man can do all things, not all things, a lot of things, can't we? We can build church. We can build it on charisma. We can get flash people up there singing with great voices. We can get great preaching. We can great leadership. We can get everybody doing this stuff. What you might not have, though, is the church that I'm building. Because the church that I'm building is able to love one another like I love them. Well, we've got to be honest and go, well, why is there so much division in the church if the church is able to love one another as Christ loves? Because that forms oneness, doesn't it? I'm just saying it as it is. I'm prepared to go after the real deal. Why? For all of us to be able to experience 
What would a community look like that truly loved God with all her heart, soul, mind and strength and loved one another as Jesus loves her? What would we look like? Just go home and dream about that. Acts 4 and 5 gives a little bit of a demonstration about it. But here what we cannot do and what we've tried to do is we then try and go, okay, let's figure out how we're going to do that. And there's no heart transformation, so it never happens for a period of any longevity because the heart hasn't been circumcised, so it's not able to because as soon as the test comes, the love is exposed and, oh, that was your human love. And then we start fighting one another. You annoyed me and whack and whack and... Or we do this, oh, well, you believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe and we'll set up another camp. Oh, you don't agree with me either. Let's set up another camp. Oh, you don't believe me either. I'll set up another camp. And then you have multiple camps called the church. But I read the truth and the truth is I pray that we won because right back here, Greg, you should have got on your face in all humility and gone, hey, bro, can we walk together? to discover what this reality might be. And love's in me and love's in you, so we're fully able to do this. See, if it's there, it'll come out. If it's not there, it can't. And yet the Father wants you and I to know him so we can be an example of him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are truth, you are life, you are hope, you are joy, you are peace, you're all those things that we've talked about today. And you long and desire for your children to know you and to have you revealed within them to such a measure that we are able to live from a realm that's not of this world. It's not defined by flesh and blood. It's not defined by the ways the world operates. It's purely defined through the power of you. It's fully possible, Father. And I pray we would believe that today. That we would put aside all our feelings and our thoughts and we would say, I believe that. To the measure of faith that's in my heart, I say yes and amen. For where two are gathered together and agree in the Spirit, you are there. And if we pray that prayer, Lord, you will come and start to do and are doing this work in our hearts to form and shape this people, a people who are set apart unto you, living for completely other priorities and values, and living to see your will established, firstly in our hearts and our minds, and to see it on this earth. And through that process, Lord, we are being made ready with an expectation of your return, while living here wholeheartedly abandoned to your will. So, Father, I thank you that this is the work you're doing here. And I pray that we would not get in the way of it, but we would surrender to it, and allow it to shape and form us rather than repel us. And I ask this in Jesus' name.